People know you, people like you, and people trust you. So people knowing you happens in your head. This is a little me metaphor that I use. People liking you happens in the heart, but trust happens one level down in the gut. So I talk about trust deep relationships, and that's where our agency name comes from, Trust Deep. Within trust, though, we think there are four pillars that you need to hit on in order to build genuine trustworthiness. The first one is credibility. The second one is track record. The third one is empathy. And the fourth one is alignment of interests. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Stace Casaria. Today, we're talking about the importance of branding and trust and building relationships in real estate investing. Stace has a marketing and branding background, and he's teaching us today how he brings that background to his real estate investments to build a better, a deeper, more productive connection with his tenants and, and his partners and everybody out there that is involved with his business. And we get into who it's important to kind of focus on and how to do it. And we also talk about the four pillars of branding and trust and connection that he and his company have come up with, which I certainly really appreciated. And I know I will be going back and listening to and just continuing to re-implement many of these ideas. You're going to enjoy it. It's very important information that I think a lot of us in real estate don't think about often enough. If you're new to the show and you're not yet subscribed, take a second, go to your favorite podcasting app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button, and that way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and you will join us, and we will help you in your passive wealth generation journey. If you do enjoy the show and you're an Apple user, please take 30 seconds, go to the Apple Podcasts app, look up the show, give us a rating and review, five stars if you don't mind. We ask for that because that helps us out in the Apple ecosystem that helps other people get an eye on the show. It's very much appreciated. It helps our show grow faster. And if you're looking for a way to give back, that's number one. That's all I ask of you. Take a second. Give us a rating review. Much appreciated. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Love learning new things and having things that maybe I already have a concept of reinforced and refined. And there's a bunch of that in today's episode pertaining to marketing and branding, building trust and connection in real estate investing. Without any further ado, here we go with Stace Casaria. Stace, thank you for joining us today. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. You've got a really uh, interesting topic that I think folks don't think about often enough, particularly in real estate investing. Before we dive into it, can you tell us a bit about your background, your business, and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So my background is in advertising and marketing. I own a branding agency called Trust Deep. And I am also a real estate investor. So I'm always looking for those intersections where I can bring my, my professional life over into my real estate investing. And I look for those, those, those spots where I can take the lessons that I've learned or the things that I do for my clients in, in my branding business and help myself and other real estate investors build more, I would say, marketingness into their businesses and not treat their investing like a hobby. Treat it the same way any other business would treat its marketing, the way it deals with customers and whether that's building long-term relationships, building non-transactional relationships, or finding ways to build deeper trust. Nice. So that's a th this idea of as a business building non-transactional relationships. It's kind of 
counter to what you might think because I need to do transactions in order to be, you know, a business with money coming in and hopefully I'm putting money in my pocket. How do you kind of get out of that mindset of doing transactions and rather building long-term relationships with people, you know, particularly with an eye on real estate investing where, you know, we need the tenants in the properties paying the rent, you know, in order to pay ourselves and pay our investors. Absolutely. So that is a thing that we have to grapple with as investors. But I'd ask anybody listening who is unsure about the validity of this concept to take a look at the businesses that they do uh, business with outside of real estate. So think about the brands that you like and trust and are loyal to. And I bet that your interactions with them are some of them are going to be transactional, but most of those are relationship building transactions, interactions, I should say. So if you think about like Apple or Chevy or Delta Airlines, so you're not always buying an airline ticket, but you might see a piece of content from Delta and it's not going to be buy this ticket, buy this ticket, buy this ticket. It's going to like, you know, springtime vacation ideas. So it's in the context of what they do. But they're also thinking about you as a traveler rather than just a customer. So they know that you have desires to go places and they want to show you things that are out there in the world. And the way that you're going to get there, obviously, is on their on their aircraft. But there, there's a, that, that value exchange where they're going to give you some ideas for a bit of your attention. When they have your attention, you're going to think about Delta Airlines more often than you think about United or JetBlue or whoever. So I would say just think about how you interact with other brands or how you'd prefer to interact with other brands and say, how can I model that in my real estate investing? Hmm. Interesting. That is an interesting idea. So, you know, I've heard about... I've heard tell of folks, you know, around Christmas time, they'll go to their tenants and, you know, give them a box of chocolates or a bottle of wine or something like that. I mean, I think that's that's a fun idea. But, you know, when it comes to, I don't know, what do you think about? I mean, and you have to, I guess, have this idea of who your ideal client is, who you need to attract, because, you know, as a, as real estate investors, we need a lot of things. We need deals. We need money. We need tenants you know, all these other things. We can't be all things to all people all the time. How do you get like started figuring out who that client is and where your focus should be? Wow. So that's a, that's a, okay. So that's a good question. Like understanding who you want to attract because you don't want everybody. Everybody can't be your customer. First of all, it's, it's not logically possible, but it also splits your efforts and your attention into trying to appeal to so many people. So if it, that's like, you, you have to think to yourself, what type of building do I have? What's the location of the building? Who would be best suited to live in here? And who's going to pay what I want to have for, for, for rent here? So you, you, yeah, I always try to aim a little higher than what is probably reasonable, not not necessarily rent, but I, I want to be aspirational and say, who do I want living in this building? And, you know, the higher up I go on the socioeconomic scale, those tenants are going to expect different amenities and they're not going to look for strictly a transactional experience. You're going to see more interaction between management and, and the, those people. So if you live in a nicer building, you're probably going to get that bottle of wine at Christmas. It doesn't mean that you have to have those types of buildings in order to treat people like that. I mean, and you don't even have to, it doesn't have to just be like giving gifts. So I think like right now, especially with COVID and everything, do you tend to call your, your, your tenants just when rent is due or if there's a problem? Is that your only interaction? Like in those moments when money is changing hands, 
Or would you call them during the month and say, hey, how is everything going? Are you doing okay financially? Is everybody's health okay? You want to know those things as well. And if you have a lot of tenants, you don't necessarily have to pick up the phone and call them. Even if you sent out a postcard, even if your proper, you, you trained your property manager to take care of these things, check in on people the way you would check in on a friend or a family member. That's how you begin to build relationships rather than transactions. Hmm, interesting. And that some of those relationships, I mean, I, I think that's very valuable, right, from a business, business standpoint. You know, one of our properties our, our property management company, we have one lady that's worked at the property in the office at the office manager for a number of years. And she's very friendly. She's very, uh, she's in touch with the, with the tenants, right. And very, um, on top of working with them and in, in, in having that as a, one of our business, you know, assets in a certain sense, having her relationships that has helped us navigate COVID and get people either on payment plans or have them, you know, tell us when they're having financial troubles so we can get them, you know, applying for assistance programs or things like that, that without that relationship, it's hard to say whether or not we'd have that, we would have had that same experience and those folks would have come to us with their their problems. I don't know. So that's 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 true. So the thing about this is something I heard and I know I know it's true and you probably have heard this too is that like if you want to understand business or if you want to be successful at business you have to understand people because that's who we're dealing with here. So that woman who who's working there who has that personality where she can interact with people easily and and genuinely and show care. That is an important piece of business. You, you need somebody. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's like, maybe you don't have time for that. Maybe you're, you have higher level things to look at, but somebody needs to be minding the, the, that emotional relationship with, with your customers. The same way we want to um, get that feeling from, from the, the brands that we work with, the same way we'd want that from anybody. I mean, we want to know that the, the person or the entity that we're giving our money to cares about us beyond just the product or the service. That's how you create loyalty, long-term loyalty. Those are the brands that we're going to care about and pay a premium for. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to, right? It's like, so if we're loyal to a brand, we're repeat customers, but we will pay more for certain products that we're loyal to. Even if there is a an alternative that's less expensive and maybe it's not even a, maybe it's it might be even be better we will stay stay loyal to the thing that we we love that's that's how it works because we have meaning beyond the product with that brand hmm. i think that's interesting you know in a non-real estate context right one of the things that comes to mind for me right now is tesla they don't make objectively the best cars. They make very fast cars, but the manufacturing quality is not the same as a BMW or Mercedes or other kind of comparably priced vehicles. But you've got Elon out there. You've got the really cool brand. You've got all the the awesome technology. So people are willing to pay a pretty huge premium right. for those vehicles. And they're paying a premium and they're putting up with um, lackluster build quality or or other issues because he is connecting with them. He's selling them a vision of the future and they are connecting on their personal belief of the future. So whether, so we're past the point with Tesla of early adopters. I mean, it's, it's, it's like past that tipping point and it's into like mainstream and we want to believe in the future. So we don't necessarily want to believe in electric cars. Some people do, but we want to believe in a better future with technology that's improving our lives. That's what he's selling. And that's what people are buying into and they'll pay a premium and put up with shoddy, you know, like, like building or door panels and whatever the thing might be. But yeah, that's exactly uh, what I'm talking about. It's a great example. 
So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's fun to think about. I don't mean to to crap on Tesla owners out there. I like Tesla's cars. I think they're cool. I don't own one, but I'd be more than happy to to own one. I've driven them. They're a lot of fun, and that is a great insight that he's selling a vision of the future. There's more to it than just the electric car. There's all the self driving features and all that cool stuff that he is going and 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 SpaceX things like that. Now, as folks think about, you know, their brand, their marketing and their trusting relationship with their clients, are there any do you have any like rubrics or rules of thumb or ways that we can things that we can put in our mind, maybe we can store there and will help us move forward with you know, things to think about as far as building a brand in real estate? I would say it's a good question. So I would say the next time you have an interaction with a brand outside of real estate or investing, think about what that is and see how you can apply it. So whether it's a loyalty program, whether like it's some sort of competitive analysis, whether that it's like them cross-selling you on another one of their products, whether they're asking you for reviews, whether they're sending you a survey, whether they've developed a strong brand image, ask yourself, how can I apply that to my real estate business? So the thing about like a loyalty program, tons of companies have those. Does every landlord or real estate investor have something like that? I don't think so. But it's simple enough to set up and it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't even have to be expensive. If you thank people, let's say on the, the anniversary, the half anniversary, for instance, of their lease. So let's say they 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 moved in 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 January in June send like say you uh, send a thank you the past six months with you were great we appreciate having you as a tenant can't can't wait for the next six months something like that it doesn't I, who knows what it could it could say anything but just letting people know you're thinking about them so that is the beginning of a loyalty program let's say somebody's getting toward the end of their lease but that last week you don't want to go to them and say hey we noticed that your lease is up like here here sign a new lease. You want to think about when would they be thinking about moving? Is it like two months out? Maybe, you know, depending on whether it's a single person or a family or whoever. And you want to start thinking about how can I build loyalty into this, this, this process? And do I offer them a discount? Maybe I, I maybe you don't want to do that, but maybe you want to like a, a bottle of wine or maybe you'd say, Hey, there's a, a gym down the street. If you resign, I'll give you, you know, six months membership there or whatever. There can be something small, some token that shows that you care above and beyond just about that lease. And ultimately, let's be honest, we know what we're doing here. We're trying to create some sort of long-term relationship where they'll stay in our building and continue to pay us. But you don't have to look at it solely as that. Treat them as a person. Think about what their emotional and functional needs are, and they will reward you with, with more loyalty. So Anything, any experience you have with a brand outside of real estate, see how you can apply that. Like, you know, the competitive analysis thing. So we all know that you can cross shop different brands and you, you mentioned Tesla. So I'm in the process of, of buying a new vehicle. And so one of the, one of the dealerships is being like really shady and there's no transparency at all. Another, <laughs> another dealer, tons of transparency. I'm like, that's the guy I want to work with, but I don't see this often in this industry. And this is something that I do with my, with my tenants. So. When it's time for them to renew their leases and I'm going to have a price increase, I do a competitive analysis of the area. So I go on apartments.com. I collect comparable um, apartments. I I pull down PDFs of of what apartments look like. I go on Rentometer. I do an analysis. I put a package together and send it to them and say, unfortunately, this year I have to raise the rent again. I'd love for you to stay. But if you're not able to, I, I understand that. We all have realities. Here are other places in the area, and here's what those go for. Now, they're going to look at those and say, wait a second. So the, what he's raising the rent to isn't bad, and 
I know I have choices. He's being upfront with me. He's not trying to be, he's not making this antagonistic. He's not making a, a problem. There's no drama with this. I'm being completely transparent. And what I found is when I use this method, people look at the rent increase and they say, okay, it's not bad. So that's what I want. I don't want an argument. I don't want to have to justify it any further than that. I don't want to have to find a new tenant because then I'm going to have to do a, a lease up. I'm going to have to, you know, do repairs to the, to the unit. I'm going to have to advertise. I might have a week or two or three where I don't have anybody in that space. I don't want that. I just want smooth sailing. And so that's something as small that you can, a small thing that you can do that can save you money and make somebody feel more valued. I'm putting the decision in their hands. I'm giving them all the information and I've sort of, you know, shaded it in my direction, but that's, that, that's something that you can do. Well, you're also, you're not going to suggest to them an extreme downgrade in terms of quality of life or location. I mean, that'd be silly. Why would you suggest they should consider that? You're pointing out some comps and saying, hey, here are some great places too if you want to, you want to buzz off and, and go elsewhere. Yeah. But I found it to be very helpful and it, it gets people to, to stay. And I think it just builds some humanity between us. It's like, we all know that we have choices in life and We've, we've probably all seen really bad examples of a landlord interacting with a, a tenant as though it's this take it or leave it thing. Landlords treating tenants like a necessary evil. You got to treat them like people. I totally, I totally appreciate that. You know, we talked about this a little bit before we hit the record button, but you know, these days, the, uh, what's the old saying? A, a reputation takes a lifetime to build and a minute to destroy or something along those lines. And, yeah. you know, social media has only made that easier. Right. And one of my concerns here is I see so many other real estate investors out there kind of muddying their real estate brands with political stuff, non-real estate related, you know, something that's not related to, hey, are we making money in real estate or not? And I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts about that and separating, you know, those different aspects of our lives, you know, yeah, real it's, estate and personal brands? It's it certainly is complicated, right? So what we know as as marketers is that people want to do business with mission-driven organizations. People want to feel a connection above and beyond just a product or a service. So we see a lot of brands having a point of view on certain topics. What you're describing, though, is could be dangerous when you have such divisiveness in, in the country and somebody is you know, talking about a certain political party or political beliefs. Here's what I would say. Our entire brand should be based on our values as a company. Now, if your brand's values happen to be transparency, if that happens to be one of the values, then maybe that's right for you to do. If your value happens to be, you know, standing up for the American worker or something like that, maybe then you have a political point of view. There are companies that have overt political views. And so I think it's like a case-by-case -case basis. You have to say, is this really something that's intrinsic to what your brand is about? If it's just like a passing fad or you're trying to join something that seems to be trending, I think that's a mistake because you're not going to be able to support that if things turn bad, right, or things go south with with, with your, your point of view, are you willing to give up customers for that? Are you willing to suffer the, the consequences of that? And I think that's what people have to ask. I think it's really easy, though, for people to say there are like certain causes we can all get behind. Like, let's say, you know, I don't know, like, like, you know, the Humane Society, like dogs and cats on the street. Nobody wants that. Right. So that's an easy thing to get behind. 
But is it that powerful? I don't know. Is it going to make me choose, uh, you know, this coffee place versus that coffee place if they say they support the ASPCA or maybe? I, I, I don't know. But I think people do want to do business with mission-driven organizations, a business with a purpose. So it gets more and more intertwined, like the the, the business realities and social realities. So I wish I had a, a cleaner answer there, but I know I know brands want to get involved and like have a stance and say, we believe in X, Y, and Z. And so if you're not with us, then don't get on our plane. And I'm like, oh, geez, okay. <laughs> Thank you for telling me. <laughs> so tell us a, a bit about the four pillars. You kind of told me about this before we hit record. I want to make sure we, you know, we learn about that before we move on to the second half of the show. Yeah, sure. A- absolutely. So our agency is called Trust Deep. And And the name comes from a theory I have on relationships. Every relationship in your life, whether it's with your friends, your family, employees, partners, business colleagues, customers, fall in the three categories. People know you, people like you, and people trust you. So people knowing you happens in your head. This is a little metaphor that I use. People liking you happens in the heart, but trust happens one level down in the gut. So I talk about trust deep relationships, and that's where our agency name comes from, trust deep. Within trust, though, we think there are four pillars that you need to hit on in order to build genuine trustworthiness. The first one is credibility. The second one is track record. The third one is empathy. And the fourth one is alignment of interests. And I can quickly give you a little um, explanation of what each of those means. So credibility is your ability to speak articulately about a topic. Like if you're talking to somebody, do you believe they know what they're talking about? And this has happened to you. you you've been in a meetup and you're like talking to somebody and this might be their first meetup and they're trying to sell you on the idea that they're really involved in real estate. And you can tell they don't have credibility. Credibility is also involved with your integrity. And so integrity is our ability to have our actions aligned with our values. That's another part of of credibility. And we help brands see where they can build credibility genuinely. No smoke and mirrors. You, you, because building fake trust is worse than not, not trying at all. The second element is track record. And this is the thing you were talking about before, which takes a long, long time to build up, but you can lose the credibility quite, quite quickly. Track record is the only one of the four elements that takes a long time to establish. And track record, if you don't have track record today, it is going to take you a while to build that up. So there's there's no other way to do it. Like people want to look back and say, can I trust that the events of the past will be reproduced in the future? Do I have confidence in him to do this? Has he done it in the past? Has he done a deal like this? Do do people vouch for him? You know, did did he just show up in town yesterday? Like, where has this guy been? So those things all go into track record. The third one is empathy. And empathy is our ability to be human with others. It's our ability to listen and validate somebody as a being and their point of view. And I think maybe this is like something that brands are trying to do these days is to recognize that other people have political views and trying to hear them out. And so like empathy doesn't mean I agree with you and I can sit here and listen. I just want to know your point of view on a topic. Then I can say, I agree with you. I understand where you're coming from. It's like, imagine you're a house flipper and, you know, so you go up to this homeowner and he's like, I got to get $200,000 for this house. And you as the house flipper, you're like, this is only worth 150 to me. 
So you're going to have this conversation. You're going to hear where somebody's coming from. You understand why they need that. But like at the end of the day, you don't necessarily have to agree with somebody to show them empathy. You validate their reasons like, okay, I can understand where you're coming from. I understand why you need this. You've got all these bills to pay, whatever it might be. But you've validated where they're coming from. And that is incredibly important. We don't listen to people often enough and validate them as people. And it's incredibly important. It doesn't take anything other than shutting up and listening for a few minutes, but it really works. It's the quickest way to build trust, empathy. And the last pillar is alignment of interest. And alignment of interest is like, so if you and I were going to get involved in a, in a business deal, we want the outcome to be the same. And we also need the path to that outcome to be the same. So let's say we're looking at a, a syndication and you're like, I want you know a 20% ROI here. And I'm like, oh, so do I. We're aligned on this. And you're like, okay, I want to do this by the book. We need to get like permits. I need to do this and this. And, and I'm like thinking... Well, you know what? I think we can cut some corners and still get to 20%. So I'm just making that up. I'm an honest guy. But my point is, is that we <laughs> don't glad, have... You, you put that on yourself rather than on me. So I appreciate that. Please oh, yeah. go on. So, but um, but we, we have an objective that we're both aligned on, 20% ROI, but we don't have an, an alignment and path, right? So our intention might be the same. And our motivation might be the same, but our behavior or our attitude is not aligned. So we're going to have trouble trusting each other. We're going to have trouble doing business together. Those are the four areas that we help brands build into their communication through their visual identity or their verbal communication or their website or a logo. All the elements that go into branding, you can look for places to build up credibility and like show your track record, display empathy, and also align your interests with others. That's the one, one thing you said before about you can't appeal to everybody, right? We're talking about that. So your interests aren't the same as everybody's. Your interests are the same as this group here. Align with those people because they will be your most loyal customers. Nice. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Stace, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Let's All do right, it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? The best investment I ever made was a building that I own right now that I, I took a look at what they were getting for rent. I looked at the condition of the, the building, the, um, the apartments, and I said, these could easily be much, much more profitable. And it was very simple. I ended up keeping all the tenants and I'm doing renovations one by one. It's just turned out to be the best building I've owned, not just from a profit perspective, but from like the lack of hassle. There's like, everybody is like, I don't know, like what like magic happened here, but everybody's a good tenant. Nice. Awesome. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Yeah. So the, the worst investment I ever made was not in the buying of it, I guess, but in the holding on, like the length I held on to it. So there was this waterfront property that we owned. And uh, when we bought it, I think like flood insurance was something like $800 a year. And by the time we sold it, it was $8,000. Oh, man. So, you know, I did the analysis like almost every year saying, you know, like this isn't really, <laughs> this isn't really making money. So, but I had an emotional attachment to it. It was, it was a great property. It, it could have been a great property. Living there would have been wonderful. Owning it, different story. So I held on to it far too long. I sold it this year or in, um, in, uh, 2020. And I'm glad to be gone. I'm glad that it's gone, but I held on to it way too long because there wasn't enough revenue to justify the headache of, of owning this and always being worried about like, Oh, 
taxes going up yet again on this. Oh, wait, <laughs> flood insurance is going up again. You know, so I held on to it way too long. So if you've got a, a property out there like that and you're doing the math and you're like, if it's not going to get better, if you can see that, <laughs> just cut your losses. <laughs> nice. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yeah, this is one that I'm still trying to figure out how to follow. But the lesson is to respect time. So you have to learn how to prioritize things and say, what are the the things that are really valuable that I can do now? Those are the things I should do first, right? Also, not waiting. Like I waited and waited and waited to jump into real estate and I waited and waited and waited to sell that building. I wasn't being respectful of the power of time. And like, I can't change time. It's it's like the only thing we can't really change. So I would say, if there's something you want to do, do it. If you know you're going to do something eventually, this is something I like try to tell my kids. If you know you're going to do something eventually, do it now. You'll be much happier. Nice. Awesome. Well, Stace, thank you for joining us today, bringing us all these great lessons about trusts, branding, and everything, you know, in between building our business and the value around building that trust in our marketing and our brand and all that great stuff. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to find you on the internet, where can they do that? Yeah, they can, they can email me at stace at trustdeepagency.com. Our URL is trustdeepagency.com. Well, thanks once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and it helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.